As most of you know, I've been doing a series, the ABCs of Spiritual Vitality. And we've been going through the ABCs. The first Sunday we talked about acceptance, which is grace, which is the foundation for the Christian life. The second Sunday we talked about balance. We saw that even Jesus had to have balance between his life, between action and reflection, between ministry and prayer, and being alone with his Father. And we need that balance too in our lives. Last week we talked about communication. We discovered how important communication is to our spiritual vitality and the relationships we have with others. Today I want to talk to you about the fourth letter, D, discipline. We're going to talk about how the Christian life is a disciplined life. So, having said that, let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Niagara Falls is one of the great wonders of nature. 150,000 gallons of roaring white water plunge over the precipice every second with a deafening roar. It's a spectacular display of power. Or perhaps from another perspective, a display of potential for power. For just a few miles downstream, the Niagara flows through the Robert Moses Power Plant, where 13 turbines produce 2.4 million kilowatts, the equivalent of 24 million 100-watt light bulbs. Now, to turn the potential power of the falls and to turn it into productive energy, that energy lights 1.9 million homes. Just think about that. To turn the hydroelectric potential into hydroelectric power, that lights 1.9 million homes. You know, to turn hydroelectric potential into hydroelectric power, it requires a turbine. It takes a turbine. Likewise, to convert human potential into human productivity, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. What is discipline? Discipline is the gift of God by which our talents, skills, abilities, and aptitudes, all that God created in us, is converted into accomplishments, achievements, and personal growth. So it comes as no surprise that the Apostle Paul says to his young protege Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul's at the end of his ministry. He's passing the mantle of leadership to Timothy. Now, young Timothy has lots of potential, but that potential needs to be converted into productive ministry. He needs the gift of discipline, a gift that God would give. And it's a gift that God would not only give to Timothy, but to all of us who desire to convert our created potential into fruitful productivity. Now, Paul speaks a lot about discipline in 2 Timothy. In fact, he uses three guiding images in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 that 
are of great use in organizing our thoughts about discipline. And Chu uh, shared that text with you a few months ago. He uses three guiding images that offer us insight and a lesson on the role of discipline in our lives. So, let's briefly look at each of these images that were in our scripture reading this morning. As usual, if you'd like to follow along, there's a sermon outline that's printed in your bulletin for your convenience, or you can follow along with the PowerPoint presentation. So let's begin with the first image that Paul uses here. The first image is of a good soldier. The first image is of a good soldier. In verse 3 we read, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You know, I wasn't privileged to serve in the military, but I'm very grateful to all who have and do. From my outside perspective, the role of, the di- of discipline in the military is huge. You see, discipline is what defines and develops a soldier. Discipline is what molds and makes a formidable fighting unit. As George Washington once observed, nothing can be more hurtful to the service than the neglect of discipline. For discipline more than numbers gives one army the superiority over another. I love that quote. Nothing can be more hurtful to the service than the neglect of discipline. For discipline more than numbers gives one army the superiority over another. You know, discipline is so vital for our lives. And you know, Think about it this way. Discipline is what develops and defines a good soldier. So let me ask you. How does discipline define and develop you and develop us in our lives of faith? How does discipline define and develop us in our lives of faith? When we call ourselves disciples, we acknowledge that that means that we live by certain spiritual disciplines. Our denominational name, Methodist, comes from the idea of living by certain methods of spiritual development. So, what spiritual disciplines, what methods of growing in grace define and develop you as a follower of Jesus? Common ones are worship, prayer, financial giving, compassionate serving, and Bible reading. Bible study. And you know, doing all of these things, even at the most basic of levels, begins to build spiritual development and balance in our lives. But let's be clear about something. We don't do these things as a way of looking good before God or justifying ourselves before Jesus, but as a way of spending time in the presence of our Lord. That's what it's all about. We do this to spend time in the presence of our Lord. As Harry Emerson Fosdick once said, the steady discipline of intimate friendship with Jesus results in people becoming like him. The steady discipline of intimate friendship with Jesus results in people becoming like him. Now, that's the definition and development we seek through discipline as disciples. And that brings us to the second image that Paul uses this morning about discipline. 
Second, the second image is of a competitive athlete. The second image is of a competitive athlete. Now, in verse 5, we read similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. John Ortberg offers a great illustration of this image. I want you to listen very carefully to his illustration. Imagine that you're sitting on your couch, eating a Twinkie and watching TV. When you get a call from the U.S. Olympic Committee, you get a call from the U.S. Olympic Committee, you've been selected to run the marathon for the U.S. at the next summer games. Now, after getting over your initial shock at being selected, you get excited. You're going to be a part of the Olympic festivities. Then you realize you still have to run the race. You know it's not going to be enough to just show up, lace up your sneakers, and run the 26 miles. In order to accomplish this feat, you'll have to train. You'll have to be deliberate each day in how you develop your strength and stamina. You'll have to have a daily regimen that builds those qualities in you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever heard of Jerry Rice? Raise your hands. Jerry Rice. Okay, a lot of you have. Some of you haven't. Jerry Rice used to play as an end for the San Francisco 49ers, and he played for years. And in my view, he's probably the best receiver that ever played the game. Does that sound fair? Well, you know... Who said no? <laughs> you need to review NFL films. Anyway, Jerry Rice once said, Today, I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Today, I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Similarly, as people of faith, discipline invites us to be deliberate in how we use our time each day to engage in those disciplines that will help us to grow in Jesus Christ. You see, discipline invites us to be deliberate, to be deliberate in how we use our time. And you know, we need to look at our daily schedules and ask, Am I being deliberate in training so that I might develop in my relationship with Christ? Am I being deliberate with my time each day in training so that I might develop in my relationship with Christ? Being deliberate is a crucial component of discipline. It's a crucial component of discipline. And that brings us to the third and final image that Paul uses here to talk about discipline. Third and finally, the third image is of a hardworking farmer. The third and final image is of a hardworking farmer. Now, finally, in verse 6, we read, The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Our scripture reading points out that the farmer engages in the work 
always with the hope of sharing in the harvest. You see, the hard work of the hands is joined with hope in the heart of what the harvest will bring. Likewise, discipline is duty driven by a dream. It's duty driven by a dream. It's a routine that knows that there's a reward. As Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the mighty judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. You see, discipline knows that there's a reward, a crown in the next life, but also a blessing in this life. For you see, as we grow in God's grace and become more like Christ in love, in peace, in strength, in grace, that brings a great blessing upon our daily spiritual life and relationships. I want to close with this last illustration. One of the most regimented disciplines I know is 21 steps, 21 seconds. 21 seconds, 21 steps. Repeated over and over again. It's the discipline of the guards at the tomb of the unknown soldier. It's a discipline that embodies the sentiment of a grateful nation to nameless soldiers. It seeks to put into an action the words of the inscription, Here rest in honored glory, an American soldier known but to God. Here rest in honored glory, an American soldier known but to God. You see, discipline gives expression to our highest, deepest, and best beliefs. It invites us to define and develop ourselves in deliberate ways to blessed ends so that we might be all that God's created us to be. Let me repeat that. It invites us to define and develop ourselves in deliberate ways to blessed ends so that we might be all that God's created us to be. You see, discipline is the gift of God that God gives us by the Spirit. It's the gift that God gives us by the Spirit. For as Paul proclaims, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Well, in conclusion, may we know discipline as we practice it, good soldiers, competitive athletes, hard-working farmers, learning and living the lessons of each, all to the glory of God. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen.
is indeed a disciplined life. It's a discipline that touches every aspect of our life. It involves prayer, speaking with God each and every day. It involves studying about God, learning about God through the scriptures, through Bible study, through Sunday school classes, through sermons and worship. It involves communing with God by coming to worship weekly, by participating in communion, by participating with small groups and experiencing that fellowship and intimacy with one another and with Jesus Christ. It involves mission, doing mission, and it's sharing the love of Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ with all the world. These are all spiritual disciplines and more that we are called to be a part of. They train us into what it means to be a Christian and how to live our Christian lives. So I want to issue a challenge to you this morning. We are disciples. We call ourselves disciples. But that means that we live a disciplined life. Have we perhaps become lax in some of those spiritual disciplines? Have we maybe fallen off a little bit? Maybe we don't pray as much as we used to. Maybe we don't come to church very often to fellowship with other believers. Maybe we're not a part of a small group. And we have some excellent core groups if you're not already a part of them. Maybe we're not involved in mission like we should be. There are a variety of spiritual disciplines that we're called to partake of. And the purpose of this is not because God is trying to be harsh with us, but because we need the training. We need the training to become more faithful followers of Jesus and to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to come forward to the altar. If you feel a need in your life to maybe firm up that discipline, to get involved in those spiritual disciplines, to promote your spiritual growth in Christ, I invite you to do so. And I also want to remind you, last week we had our uh, mission week, and we have faith promise cards. Some of you have filled those out. And I want to invite you also to come forward and put those faith promise cards in one of these baskets. And may that be symbolic of the giving of your life to Christ. The giving of your life to that, uh, to that discipline of mission. So I want to open up the altar to you to come forward. To strengthen your life in Christ. To strengthen your training. To strengthen that disciplined life. And if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Christ, maybe you don't know Christ as your friend. Maybe you know about Christ in your head, but not in your heart. I invite you to come forward. And I'd be happy to talk to you about that. If you have a prayer concern, something that's weighing you down, I also invite you to come forward to the altar to pray. Would you please come forward?